Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, here we go. What's up? It's the Man Fuse Podcast. I'm Kay Lee, your host, my co-host, Ben H. So today on the Man Fuse Podcast, my co-host, Ben H., thinks he can communicate with somebody on the astral plane. Is that even possible? He seems to think so. And our guest, stuntman Nick Decay, is going to go into detail how he found an ark that was built hundreds and hundreds of miles from land. Most of the time, when someone decides to build a boat, a huge boat, they do it near the water, right? And how he turned this find into a documentary that he directed and produced. All right, Ben, so detail how you are communicating with your buddy in Costa Rica. Josue and I had a conversation on the astral plane last week. Oh, yeah? Unbelievable. I was out on my boat with my wife and my son last week on Thursday. Okay, it was it was warm last Thursday. It was like 85 oh, yeah. degrees. And we went out. I've got a boat on Lake Lanier. And we'll go out with my boys five years old. And we go out to the island. And, you know, we'll park and we'll run around on the beach and stuff. And I was telling my wife, I was like, you know, I really miss Josue. I really want to talk to him. There's just some things I want to talk to him about. And I've just really been missing him today. You know, he was just on my heart and he was on my mind. And we communicate through WhatsApp. And Friday morning, I woke up to a WhatsApp from Josue. And I'll play it for you. You want to hear it? Uh, Sure. So this was the morning after I told my wife, I'm just kind of going through some stuff right now that I feel like I need to share with Josue. I really miss him. The next morning, I woke up to this. We are in the Caribbean in a retreat with 18 people. Last night, we have ceremony. After the ceremony, I went to sleep. And I wake up today dreaming about you. It was a very strong dream, brother. In general, I don't remember fully, but in general, you was... I will not say not good, but you was into a transition. It felt like you was moved and you came and there was like something going on with you, with your family, with your life, but, and you was kind of considering, you know, whole approach that you have to life, considering how to, uh, what's the path and the decisions that you're taking and about your lifestyle, about, you know, all what you do. And, and we went into a conversation in the dream where the conversation was going into, hey, maybe you are putting too much energy into a lifestyle that demands you a lot of focus into the material realm and maybe to have more of a simple approach to life. It will be the, the path that will help you. But you was as well into seeing that, but not really into letting go the decisions and the path that you're walking. So it was interesting that you came like that to me in the dream. So just, you know, letting you know what what it happened there in the astral world. We've all experienced where you think about somebody you haven't thought about or seen in yeah. probably, you know, five, ten years, and then all of a sudden, the next week or the next day, that person somehow pops up. It's, but that was weird. That's way weird. That's almost as weird. That was crazy. And I'm not sure if I, I told... I mean, the timestamps here, too. I mean, it's like it was the next day. And one thing I will say about these plant medicines is that they expose you to higher levels of consciousness or different dimensions than you're capable of experiencing at your resting vibration. It increases the vibration of your 
frequency brings you into higher elevations. And so I think that once your body and your soul has kind of taken that path to there, maybe you have access to that through in your sleep rhythms or something like that. I don't know, but there's definitely something there. Fuck yeah. I mean, like, and I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast, but it reminds me of like, and I was actually telling my son this yesterday because he was talking about some of the dreams he's had. My son's 10 years old and he's like, you know, he was telling me about these crazy dreams and how the next day something happened. I'm like, well, yeah. And I was trying to explain to him, well, you know, the chances of you having a dream about chicken and the next day eating chicken right. is not really like far out of the realm. Of, right. But like, and I told him this story and not that I was like diminishing anything of what he was saying. I was just like what you just yeah. played, how you were thinking about this person. You really wanted to talk to him. And the next morning, boom. It the was weird like, thing about it is that's what I wanted to talk to him about. That's crazy. That's literally what I wanted to talk to him about because those are the kinds of things that I talk to him about because when I go to his place, we're in the middle of the jungle. There's no cars. There's no jewelry. There's no money. There's no nothing. There's the land, the jungle, and that's it. It's all they have. And I told my wife, I was like, this is such a different kind of wealth. And it's exposure to a really simple life where I see the kind of happiness and the kind of gratitude and the kind of love that they share just in the little time that I'm there. And I'm just like, we are fucking up. We are really fucking up because we're all, yeah, we have the beautiful house and the beautiful this and the beautiful that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that there is. I, I love my life. But I go and I see that and I'm like. So simple. And so since I've had that experience, it's like there's this massive contrast within me where I'm like, I only have so many years to spend with my son. I only have so many years of my life to spend with my wife and even myself. Am I doing it the right way? And so I'm constantly battling this. And I was just kind of in a mode and I was telling my wife, I was like, God, I just really need to talk to Hostway about that. I think we all are battling it in some sense. I mean, we're sure. all, you know, you do what you love and I'm sure you do what you love, Nick. I mean, but at the same time, and I'm kind of doing what I love, but I mean, if we all had the choice and money was off the table, would we be doing what we're doing if we didn't need money? We probably wouldn't be showing up to production meeting. I mean, I don't know. I love working with the Burt Show, but would I be getting up at 3 a.m.? And well, I don't even have a long day as yeah. far as the amount of hours I work on a daily here anyway. But no, I wouldn't be. But money, you know, got to pay the bills, got to keep moving forward. Well, what Nick would still be a stunt devil. I would not be a stuntman. No? Uh, no, I would, I would direct my own movies. Yeah. The story that I was telling my son, just getting back to it, was when I was dating this girl, my girlfriend of five years, probably about the time that you and I were hanging out, Nick, off and on, and I remember having this vivid-ass dream, and it was crazy because the kid's house I was dreaming about backed up to this, like, pond, and now he's in jail for shooting at a cop, a fucking oh idiot. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Don't, don't get me started on some meth-rolled fucking psychotic episode episode where he thought shooting at police would be great out of his trailer. Anyway, but the dream was about his house. It's not Brian, is it? Which Brian? The guy you're talking about who shot up the place. Brian Ullman? No, it's a different. I know a different Brian that shot at a cop on meth. Ooh, Brian who? What's his last name? It starts with a G. I don't want to call him out. I don't know if he's in jail. Still. <laughs> <laughs> I want him coming after you on a meth fuel. Yeah. No. So uh, we had this dream that this house was being surrounded by fucking alligators. I'm not even joking. Like, they just kept coming in and coming in. And I woke up the next day, and, you know, some dreams you remember, some you don't. Yeah. But I remember, like, rolling over and telling my girlfriend at the time, I'm like, 
this fucking dream I had was so fucking vivid. I yeah. mean, like, it was clear as day whose house I was at, and it was scary. And she's looking at me like, okay, what the fuck ever. Uh, that day, I didn't have to be at Psycho Tattoo. We didn't open till noon. Out of the eight years I worked at Psycho Tattoo, that day, a fucking truck pulls up. This gets out to come and get a tattoo. On the side of his truck, it says the alligator man. No way. And he's got two eight-foot alligators in the back of his truck and a six-foot one in a cage that he pulled out, and I got to hold the next day. The next day, and I got a fucking picture of it framed. I called my girlfriend at the time. I'm like, you would never fucking believe what I'm <laughs> holding right now. I you mean, knew like, the alligators were coming. Fucking, I mean, out of eight years of me working there, the an alligator man never pulled up. Ever. No, that's not a normal occurrence. Like, I don't know what that means. Probably means nothing. A big fucking coincidence. But that's crazy. You start thinking, man, am I on a different plane here? Yeah. Like, how do you explain that? That's different than, hey, I dreamed I was eating chicken. And then, oh, oh behold, here's chicken, you know? But um, getting back, I mean, that's awesome, Ben. I mean, that's, I don't know if you take that as a sign or uh, it's just fucking, that's sick. Put it you this guys way. Are, I'm going to see host way soon. Okay. You know? Very nice. Yeah. You guys. Yeah. If you would have played the audio, be like, Ben, I. I love you and miss you and I thinking about you. Yeah. Uh, thinking about those times. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day. <laughs> anyway, in the jungle. Yeah, all that time in the jungle. <laughs> we where were you alone. were Tarzan <laughs> and I was Jane. Or maybe I was Jane and you were Tarzan. We switched roles. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be flexible. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Absolutely. All this right, now my, you be Jane. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and now it's my turn to swing from the branches. So a couple months ago, um, getting back to you, Nick, and you're directing. So you posted something on Facebook that I guess it was the launch of this documentary that you had just got through shooting, and it was called The Ark of Lilburn. And I remember actually sending you a message. This is before I even thought to have you on. And I was like, congrats. I hadn't watched it yet. And I saw, I was like, man, that's pretty fucking cool. And I just kind of read the description of it. But it was like two weeks ago, I decided, I was like, you know what, I'm going to rent it. And I was like, man, I need to probably get with you and, you know, catch back up. And I watched it, and I was like, that's fucking crazy. So just to paint the scene here, the Ark of Lilburn takes place in, I guess, is that a city in Georgia? It's not the county, right? Lilburn's the city? Yeah, Lilburn is where Stone Mountain is. Stone Mountain, Lilburn, Georgia. And it's about this guy who owns a metal manufacturer. He's a manufacturer. They do metal. Uh, uh, steel. Structural steel. Structural steel. Yep. And I guess this guy had a midlife crisis and decided to build a giant boat in his warehouse. So tell me how you even came upon this, because this is crazy. Like, most people build boats close to the water, right. I would imagine. And in a way, if you were going to build one, one that you would probably be able to get out of your building that you're building it in. So paint the scene of how you even stumbled upon Noah's Ark. So, the, the Ark of Lilburn. So um, during the pandemic, the entire film industry shut down. All of our unions said, you can't work. I'm in the Screen Actors Guild, and they were like, you can't work. So All production shut. Every show. Like, I was on a couple shows. Like, I was on Red Notice right before. And like, With The Rock, right? And yeah. Ryan Reynolds. So I wrapped that on a Friday. I'm supposed to start up on a movie with Stallone the next day driving. And I get a call. Hey, uh, we're not working the pandemic thingy. And then I'm supposed to start on Stranger Things that coming Monday. And they're like, hey. 
hey, uh, Stranger Things is not happening either. Pandemic. So I'm sitting around doing nothing. So I, I've been writing for years. So I write a uh, screenplay because I'm bored out of my mind about um, what if the United States goes to war with China and an AI negotiates a truce and then creates a new world government where everybody has a social credit score and where it's a little social credit watch. Kind of like the Sesame credit score thing that they have in China. And I base it off that system. So I wrote it and I started pitching it to um, studios and they were all like, absolutely not. <laughs> Jeez. Like, hard no. Why hard no? Just because of the it's war. It's like the Black China. Mirror. I don't know. It's similar to the nosedive episode yeah. of Black Mirror, which I saw after I wrote it, but doesn't have much other than just social credit. Well, so, I mean, it really seems that things are going in that direction. Oh, 100%. I mean, unfortunately, America's turned into a bunch of pussies and China seems to be coming through. So, I don't know what the fuck's wrong with our country. If you want to know what the Man country. Fuse podcast is all about, it's about what Ben just said. Yeah. I mean, we just fucking oh, no. say it the way we see it and that's about it. But well, it's I, true. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with everybody here in America right now? It is absolutely ridiculous. It is. And you're right. So some shit like that is going to fucking happen. Sure. Because everybody's so... Yeah, like in the story, I have it where there's no currency anymore. It's a combination of social credit and carbon... Your carbon credits for the day. Yeah. So you have to stay carbon neutral. Right. You rank you. Yeah. Isn't that what we were talking about? The shit is coming. Like for you to like take a trip to go from here to drive to here to San Francisco. You got to buy the carbon credits. Correct. Yeah. That's the story is kind of about that. And it's... Uh, I want to see your movie. Yeah, I'm ready. Well, no, nobody will bankroll it. I've been trying to get money for it since. How much know, do you need? Uh, a few million. Like two million? I mean, that would be less than I'd like. I'd like more. Three? Uh, probably more like seven or eight. So seven or eight million. And how much is it going to make? Well, there's a program called Largo AI that we actually yeah. use to um, my partner, Jay Tyroff and I, who he did Ark of Lilburn with me. And um, it says the best case scenario is it'll do 50 million in the box office. Yeah. Yeah, and that's pretty solid. George has got a pretty good tax credit. We'd package it with minimum guarantees. We just got to find somebody who wants to give us money. For Can you make twenty that, million? I mean, the low end projections are better than twenty million in the box office. Is that right? Yeah, it's just it doesn't fit the Hollywood narrative, so it's hard to get funding for it. Yeah, the Hollywood narrative. We've talked about that a million times. We don't like times the N word. Normal no. narrative. Narrative yeah. or normal. <laughs> so, in any event, we were out there just kind of shooting some proof of concept stuff for that. So you had like a, a B roll or something for yeah, that, we did, or just did some stuff for it. And we, Sounds and, cool, man. And we get to the steel because we wanted this kind of dilapidated building because in this world that I created, there's basically you have like verified people, which are like your elites. Like a Twitter check. Like a Twitter blue check person before Elon took over. Yeah, Thank right. God for Elon. Okay. The anointed class. Right, of course. And then there's like a yeah, pet. Fuck them. The paupers. Like <laughs> and then there's like a middle class group of people. And then there's a, a low end group of people. And then below that you have um, anti-raiders, people who refuse to be raided. And they mm-hmm. like live out and fly over country. And I think I know which group I'm following into um, i'd be an anti-raider and like fuck you and your rate yeah you my but, truck but basically like the opening sequence of this movie is you see this news report of these anti-raiders like rioting and they're blowing up a grocery store and then oh, as it pans off the camera we see it in real world and we see the little news reporter there talking about it but they're actually all there just saying like food is a human right and then the police come and just kick the shit out of them and kill them all wow and then it goes back and what people are seeing right is this complete fake thing and it was based off kind of emerging ai deep fake technology and stuff like that Dang. Um, but, you know but when that's your opening sequence of a movie and you know and you send it off to your buddies who greenlight movies at disney they're like <laughs> no yeah what did i just see here you're the funniest guy on the, yeah, face we, of the planet yeah, yeah we'd way rather do pedophile type shit than that 
Well, not getting into all that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. They don't have to be biological boobs. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so anyways, we get to this steel factory, and Cole, who's the son of Lowe, the guy who uh, founded the company, he's like, oh, you got to check out our boat. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. All right. Looking around. So you were asking him to film there. Yeah, I wanted to film there. But, I, you know, he's saying a boat. The whole time he keeps saying a boat. So I'm imagining, like, you know, a Boston whaler, like a 29-foot. And I'm like, why do I want to see your stupid boat? Right. You know, we're looking around, and I kind of figure out where I want my shots. And, yeah. And he's like, just come check out the boat. I'm like, all right. Is this yeah. in a different part of the warehouse? Yeah. He's got this kind of sprawling place. Cool. So we get into this room, and this thing's like 26 feet tall, what? 18 feet wide, and 55 feet long. Oh, my god! all made out of steel. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? That's crazy. And it's like, a fucking ark. Yeah, it's a giant boat. But the thing is, and I'm looking around the building, I'm like, there's no way to get it out. And he's like, yeah, my dad built this, and then the company kept expanding around it. Uh, so they right. built buildings around this thing. And I'm like, well, how the fuck are you going to get out? He's like, well, I think we might have to cut the roof off the building and get a crane and pull it out and i'm like well how much how big is this thing he's like i don't know it's like a hundred thousand plus pounds in steel i'm like good looking boat though and a badass it's a beautiful boat oh yeah his dad's a real craftsman um, <laughs> i mean beautiful boat. and it had been sitting there for 15 years yeah i think they stopped construction on it during the uh 2008 recession it's right, a trawler. right yeah it's a uh, alaskan trawler it's got a yeah. 4500 mile nautical range this thing's awesome it's badass it's, it's, it's worth a fuckload of money uh, right it's got to be i mean the interior's got uh all this mahogany in it the yeah. guy who built the interior of this boat did the uh mahogany interior for bill gates house and he said they wow. cut an entire jungle in brazil for bill gates mahogany wow because, oh my god because i guess mahogany you have to get it all from the same forest. Otherwise, it's not going to match or look the match. same. So in order for Bill Gates to have his awesome house, according to this guy who did the mahogany on this boat, they had to clear cut an entire rainforest swarm. That's insane. Oh, great, Bill. It's, you're so worried about climate, and yet yeah. we're clear cutting the whole so fucking rainforest. So worried about rainforest. vaccinating people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you see that interview where that lady was hardlining Bill Gates? Uh -uh. And yeah, she was like, so what is it that you have done? for humanity anyways well i took out a rainforest and he so was like well rich I, I, mahogany no no he was like well i don't know if you've heard but i built the most successful software company in the world it's called microsoft and she said yeah but you didn't actually create that software as a matter of fact you stole it from this guy didn't pay him much money for it and then you created microsoft with the technology that you stole from isn't him. that the story of mcdonald's <laughs> Ray Cracker? and he said well you know it's a, there's a lot more to it than that you know you scale the software company and she's like moving on tell me about what are your qualifications what kind of medical degrees do you have and he was like well i don't have any medical degrees and she's like but you're a big proponent of vaccinations and vaccines are you not and he was like well yes i think that vaccines are necessary to blah 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 and she's like but you really don't know, do you? So is this just kind of a continual thing where you take technology, you steal technology from other people, and then you force it on the world? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, busted his ass. Oh it was God. a great interview. She, he was like, who set me up with this yeah, fucking yeah. interview? <laughs> yeah. So this thing is insane. I mean, yeah. and it has its engine. Does it have the engine in it? Yeah, it has a big Deutz diesel engine in it. Jeez. I met all the guys who built this boat, like the mahogany guy who alleges that Bill Gates cut down a rainforest, which I like the idea that it happened. I hope it happened just because I like the idea of billionaires being assholes. Yeah. That's how you would expect them to be. Exactly. Except I, I, Warren Buffett. I don't know. I'm, I'm all about my class warfare. And since I'm never going to be a billionaire, I can continually hope that eventually we'll put them all against the wall. There you <laughs> go. Anyway. <laughs>
Yeah, so we met all these really wild characters that built this boat. You know, eventually uh, Cole convinced his dad to move this damn thing. So then we started getting ready for the preparations of moving this boat, and they called this guy Pat. Modern movers. Right. And, um, I remember that. Yeah, and ponytail. Lo, well, that's what Lowe called him. Lowe called him ponytail. Right. But he was this Florida man with a ponytail. House mover. House mover. Knows how to do it. No, Says he knows how to dude, do it. I loved Pat. I thought Pat was hilarious. Yeah. He was funny. There is an entire sequence that didn't make the cut of the movie where we took him out to Bambinelli's in um, Lilburn, and we just interviewed him and just let him and his wife and his buddy chat. And he literally predicted everything that has happened since Joe Biden's been elected. He's like, gas is going to hit this price on this day. Inflation's going to do this. <laughs> like, like he's over here being the uh, Nostradamus. Yeah. <laughs> And then he said how he was at January 6th at the Capitol, but he didn't go in because he forgot his tactical vest. No. <laughs> the guy I forgot my tactical vest and I had to pee, so I left. <laughs> Lucky guy. And I like I don't know if the guy's fucking with me or not. He's just really funny. Yeah. Um, and he and he's He's probably not fucking with you. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I found him really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's he's, awesome. Um You've seen the movie. Yeah. So, I mean, I tried to be as fair with him as possible. It would have been easy to lampoon him. Yeah. I, I tried well, you could have been a lot harder on him than you were. Oh, God. <laughs> but well, needless to say, I'm not spoiling anything. Yeah, so he, he is a character. So where did the boat end up? Where is it now? It's in Venor, Tennessee. Because it's too heavy to go over most bridges, too tall to go under most bridges. <laughs> and they wouldn't allow it on an interstate highway because it's like two lanes wide. I mean, there's all these like rules. Wow. Yeah, the amount of logistics. So it couldn't just go to Lake Lanier. Oh, God, no, no, no. It's way too big. No, the amount of logistics, which I never even thought of. Like, okay, first off, you got to get the thing out you're gonna cut the front off of the building or whatever to, how are you gonna get it out but then to realize of all the dot and all the people that you have to contact along the way oh yeah because it won't fit under bridges it won't fit under stoplights need it won't, a permit or oh, power line moved oh, yeah, across did. a railroad right yeah, oh like, yeah there was power line guys lifting all the lines and there was all kinds of shit that's crazy yeah, man. i mean it's like a whole like it takes an entourage yeah it was a production so how much did it cost to move it from here to tennessee uh a six-figure sum. I don't know exactly like what it cost. Mid-six-figure? I mean, certainly enough to go buy a brand-new 911. Yeah. If, if, you know, if you're into that sort of thing. I am. I get it. Yeah. Well, wasn't the so, first quote from uh, Ponytail, wasn't it like 75 or 80K or something like that? Was yeah, that like? I, I think it was something like that. But then the price kept going up as the adventure continued. The yeah. Price yeah. Accelerated. Yeah. Um, as, That's as funny. Is it being driven yet? No, it's in dry dock still. There was some hope that uh, perhaps somebody would want to film the trip down the tennessee river and um what to try to get it to the ocean yeah it's still actually never been driven jeez so, you know they put this motor in there in like 2000 whatever right it's never been turned over wow so there's still a lot of speculation as to how seaworthy this thing is yeah which is um, not something that you want to speculate on in the ocean no you and, know. um because they basically had two options or three options venor mobile or savannah and venor ended up being the cheapest interesting because getting it the other ways, it was like other DOT permits, which were going to like involve like helicopters and dumb shit. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's crazy. So you were like, after you saw it, okay, this yeah. could be fun. Yeah. And we weren't doing anything because of the film industry being shut down. Right. 
So it was really kind of a perfect- traffic was low. No, I mean, just because the film industry isn't filming doesn't mean the rest of the world isn't. Like yeah, that's that true. I, mean, I was still working. Yeah, we're in- I didn't stop. Yeah. You know, if we were in California, maybe there wouldn't have been traffic, but in Georgia, Pussies. plenty of traffic. So Fuck. is your goal now? And I, I found it fascinating. Great job with it. So I think it's a cool piece to have in your portfolio under your director's belt. I mean, you getting any like great feedback from it? Like, is it? Yeah, we don't have a studio behind it. Is that so- something Netflix would pick up or maybe we'll see? I mean, you can watch it on Amazon and a bunch mm. of other stuff. Now. I think that's where I watch it. But, um, Prime. Yeah, getting those licensing deals is tough. You'd think as a stunt guy, you'd be like, oh, you're a Hollywood insider. It's like, no, no, no. They treat me like any other piece of shit out there. Yeah, the stunt department, we're a peasant class. <laughs> so, we're expendable. Uh, quite literally. Quite literally. Uh, if he dies, he dies. That's it. I mean, they're not quite, I mean, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't being like literal. So, like, regarding the stunt thing, I had a question about the insurance. Do you have the opportunity to have health insurance? The only way that I could get health insurance is through my union. And Got it. Fortunately, SAG has pretty good insurance. That's cool. But I doubt I would be insurable if it wasn't through. Through the guild. Yeah. yeah. Guild. So how guild, many, whatever it how is. fucked up have you gotten? Like, do you have a count on how much shit you've broken? And do you wake up like a wrestler every day? Like your body just aches? Oh, yeah, I wake up like shit. But what's funny is, is most of my injuries are actually from motorcycle racing. Yeah. You know, I've got bad shoulders from Brazilian jiu-jitsu and just being stupid about tapping. And a bad ankle from getting it popped in a jiu-jitsu tournament. (laughs) Jiu-jitsu's hardcore. But, like, my worst stuff is from, like, racing dirt bikes and, you know, blowing out my ACL and shit like that. Yeah. Most of the stuff on set. It's kind of controlled. Yeah, it's 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 less, hey, let's let's send it. Let's see what we can do. And it's more dialed in. So yeah. My worst injuries are from my own stupid, not not at work. That makes sense. So Stunt Devil's kind of like a scaled back version of your real life. <laughs> uh, it's, it's certainly a more, it's a better thought out version of my real life. Yeah. That's the right guy for a stunt devil. You know, I mean, you're out there doing stuff that's beyond what you're going to do in the stunt devil room. Yeah, so, like, oh shit, this is what you want me to do? You know, real estate guy like me put me in the stunt devil room. I'm probably going to get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Typically speaking on camera, you don't want to be doing anything that's like past kind of 80% of your skill threshold. Right. When the camera goes action, yeah. a lot of people have got really hurt i can see that yeah um, that'd be me i'd be like action done and not well they get excited <laughs> yeah and, exactly uh, <laughs> that happens a lot i mean there's been some really horrible accidents <laughs> right like, what the f- is he thinking that was you're trying to go extra script. hard so you can get that extra look you know did you get it no the camera wasn't on <laughs> it's that it's also just, there's a lot of pressure the machine is very intimidating uh, you got 400 people standing around you got millions of dollars of equipment you got big movie stars you got all this shit yeah they're <laughs> wanting you to like to have the best take you can get. Yeah, it's yeah, I mean, be worse most- to do like a little pussy take. Everybody's kind of like. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, then they have to reset everything, and that's time. It is. And so if you're doing something that's at 80% of your skill threshold, then you're not going to be super amped up in the fact that you're doing a stunt that you are not sure you are physically capable of doing. Yeah. Whereas if you're like, okay, I could do this stunt a million times, then that part of it's cool. And then you can deal with all the other bullshit of like the crew and the cast and the yeah. cameras and all that shit. Yeah. But if you're up 90 plus percent of your skills, right. Then you're also dealing with the pressure of the machine. Of yeah. Them. And that's how people get really hurt. Yeah. Because they're doing stuff that's way too close to the threshold of their overall skills. And then some people don't know where their skills are because, you know, they've gotten too many participation trophies or something. I that's true. I showed up. <laughs> yeah. They do stunts that they are not capable of doing and it's no good.
Hey, thanks for listening to the Manfuse podcast. This will conclude part two of our episode with stuntman Nick Decay. Join us tomorrow for part three as we get into what happened on the set of Rust. And is Alec Baldwin responsible for the death of cinematographer Elena Hutchins?